0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome again aboard the BYU Hype Train Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Wheat. That's at Joe Wheat27 on Twitter. Uh, Joined, as always, by my boy Trevor Levitt. Uh, And we have a guest host today. Uh, Hunter is being a good husband, uh, taking his uh, wife out on a date tonight so that he can put enough uh, brownie points in the bank to be able to actually go to the game on Thursday. So we we are joined today. Uh, by Chandler Miller uh Channy is it Channy Mill on is, is that the handle it is Channy Mill uh, so Chandler is probably the most qualified of all of us to be talking about football uh, Chandler do you want to kind of run through your resume of uh, of uh, football work that you've done with the Oakland Raiders
1: uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, wasn't quite with the Raiders themselves, but yeah, I used to write for a few different websites, uh, namely Big Board Draft and Football Savages. Rest in peace. It was a good website while it was up. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've done live NFL draft shows before <laughs> with a few other cohorts. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I used to be really involved in the NFL draft scene, breaking down prospects and how I thought their game would translate to the pro level. Um, so, talking about college football is comfortable for me. Uh, it's a passionate subject, as Joe gets to see every game day sitting next to me but yeah pleased to be here
0: yeah and that and that's the best thing about this is that Chandler and I have season tickets right next to each other so uh we're, we'll work on getting Trevor in the same section let alone the same state uh here in the next couple of days Trevor's got some big news that uh he'll probably have to share with us but uh what's what's new with you Travis?
2: yeah I mean like you said uh cats cats out of the bag on that one but uh Moved over to Colorado for my work, um, plan on being here for a year, uh, before coming back and yeah, no, we might have to, we might have to discuss, uh, sitting next to y'all. Um, I think, I think honestly, that'd be a lot of fun, but I almost think that might be too much craziness and too much passion, uh, too, too tightly packed together. But I don't know, Ridley, Ridley has been the last couple of days been at random singing the fight song. So, so maybe... Maybe the four of us together can really what make a difference a, what a on that proud,
0: side. What a proud dad moment that must have <laughs> been for you.
2: Oh, I think I think it really hit its peak when we hit like 20 of the BYU fight song plays in a row during a car ride. She just wanted it to keep going and going and going. And then after a while, you know, you hear she, – she can't quite get all the words, but she gets the ones at the end. So you're hearing, you know, strong – and true. And then you hear BYU at the end. And <laughs> she's been, she's been really cute. And so she, she always asked me when we're going to go to the next football game. And uh, the next one that we'll actually be at is Arkansas, but she's, she's been excited about football. And so it's been, yeah, it's been fun to see.
0: Well, hopefully good, good news is you won't be away too long, uh, but I'm going to have to ask all of you guys, excuse my voice. Uh, I am still a little horse, uh, and so I will probably be sounding like a 15 year old boy uh, during stretches of the podcast because I'm still recovering from Saturday. Uh, what was I yelling at you? Ask. It certainly wasn't the play on the field. Uh, I I walked out of the Baylor, I walked out of the Baylor game and like I always judge like my performance at a game by how like easy it is for me to sing the hymns next day at church. The Baylor game, I was disappointed in myself because. Everything was fine. I could hit all the high notes. I could sing the tenor parts like with, with ease. And uh, on Sunday, I, my voice was gone. Uh, I walked out of the stadium and it hurt because the referees were just so freaking horrible. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I just even like, OK, even my wife was screaming at the referees. Like you guys don't need you guys need to understand my wife, Michaela. Is like the least competitive person in the entire world. She thinks like it's she like looks at the student section at BYU basketball games and thinks the distractions are poor sportsmanship. Okay, like she is <laughs> she has the purest heart of anyone that you'll ever know, and she just like she was shouting at the top of her lungs about how bad the refs were. Channing, uh, ref, you suck with the rest of us. Like it was just such like a it was one of those moments where you just like. You look at your your spouse, and it's like the first time all over again. It was it was magical, um, <laughs> but in that spirit, I want to ask you guys: What is the worst BYU call, like referee call, ever that you've ever seen? Is it the uh, intent to deceive from Harvey Unga in uh, in the rivalry game? I think it was two thousand ten. Is it smooth snap penalty against Oregon? Or is it BYU being called for an unnecessary roughness penalty on an interception return that was officially called an incomplete pass after the fact?
2: Honestly, I, I, those options are really good. I think, I think the worst one I saw was, I believe it was in, was it Oh five that were where we played TCU for the first time and it went into overtime. And what should have been a fumble was called a touchdown because they somehow said that he had crossed the goal line when clearly he hadn't yet. I think, I think that was a game that one was the only time I've ever seen fans throw stuff at the ref. Like I saw like popcorn and stuff. It wasn't, it wasn't BYU fandom's brightest, brightest day by any means, but I, I developed a strong disliking for referees then. Cause I think it was one of my first times where I'd actually seen a call affect an outcome of a game Um, but also I think it's where I started really not liking TCU either. And so now that we're going back into the big 12, that hatred for them is rekindled as well. So I think that was probably the worst that I've, I've seen in a long time.
1: Yeah. Trevor, I feel you on that being a Dallas native liking TCU after going to the games in Cowboy stadium and just kind of witnessing the verbal abuse BYU fans received there. Not, Not the biggest fan either. Uh, by any means, I would have to say, what come to mind immediately, other than the ones you mentioned, was I believe it was 2019 against Utah. Uh, it could have been San Diego State. I believe it was against Utah. Um, Zach was sliding downfield and gets speared in his ear hole of his helmet while sliding by a Utah linebacker with for no call. You have a, you have a protected player like a quarterback sliding and targeting. You have a little trifecta there. No call should have easily been fifteen, years, and I just I oh, was just beside myself. I could not believe it. That, that Uth- for me, yeah,
0: the Utah rivalry history has had plenty of uh, like it has its own laundry list of bad calls from Brendan Bradley being clearly down on what was eventually called a fumble uh, that allowed Utah to go back down the field and score. Uh, that spear play, Kai Nakua getting thrown out for targeting in 2016 for hitting a dude with his with his back. Uh, so, uh, plenty of plenty of uh, non-fond memories to go off of uh, in BYU lore. But uh, like, that I I feel like that was kind of the takeaway from the game for me was like I I walked away feeling frustrated, but not because of the actual play on the field. Uh, I was frustrated because. It should have been a lot worse than like the, the score should have been bigger than it was through no fault of BYU's uh, with the exception of maybe a drop touchdown pass. But. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely closer than it should have been, but uh, we go on. But uh, Trevor, what was some what was uh, your big takeaway from the game on Saturday?
2: Yeah, no, I think I think this is a perfect transition over because I think my biggest takeaway was the emergence of uh, one Miles Davis. I felt like he was somebody that was a big, bright spot Um, all week. I had heard about how good uh, Wyoming's rush defense was. And initially, I think they they proved and showed that on the field. But uh, Miles was able to have a pretty big day. Um, I shouldn't say pretty big. He had a really big day. Uh, I, I think the biggest disappointment for me is the fact that Miles Davis's day should have ended with a touchdown. Um, I believe they called the holding on Connor Pay. Um, look, I know it's embarrassing to have watch him pancake two Wyoming players back to back, but none of it was holding. Um, it's I, I know that those refs might not be used to seeing an NFL talent like that do that to to lesser teams, but. To to have Miles um, Davis's touchdown taken off the board after such a big day, and I'm a big fan of justice, and I feel like <laughs> I feel like he had earned that touchdown, and for him to not to not have it was kind of a kind of a bummer. But that 70-yard run, he showed the burners, and I'm uh, I'm excited. Uh, I mean, a redshirt freshman, we've got him got him for several years as long as he can stay healthy.
0: Uh. How How is his running form on that uh, 70-yard touchdown? Because we know that you're a resident sports scientist when it comes to track and field efficiency. You know,
2: here's the thing, Joe. Uh, I I forgot. I forgot about that until just now. Look, I hope I don't get him in trouble, and I hope I'm wrong, all right? But it did look like about 10 yards out, he thought he had it, and it looked like he pulled up just a little. Like, he had this kind of, if you watch, he's got this, like, forward lean, which when you're sprinting is obviously something that naturally comes as you're pushing your body forward. And just with 10 yards left, you just see his chest stand up just a little bit to kind of, you know, kind of puff his chest out a little bit. Another reason why Pride's a bad thing, uh, all you kids out there. But, like, the chest comes up a little bit, the head comes up a little bit, and pretty soon he's getting tackled by the ankles, so... I, uh, I, he might've just been tired. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, but his form was great. It just looked like at 10 yards left, he might've, have, might've have left a little in the tank.
0: Can we just add the, can we just teach him how to high step? Can we, can we send him Deion Sanders tape from the eighties and nineties? Cause I feel like that's all that it really would have taken for him to get in the end zone. Look up at uh, the video board. I, that's, that's what I'm saying. I like watching that play live. I was like, dude, look up. He's, oh my gosh, I was so disappointed because I wanted him to have it. Uh, I can't remember, like, I was sitting next to Chandler um, and uh, I don't know who it was, like, if you saw it, Chandler, but I saw, like, once he broke the run, I saw a few obscene gestures being thrown up from BYU fans uh, that, uh, that I think were intended towards the referees because some bad calls had been made just before um and then immediately after those gestures were thrown up he got tackled so uh we only have ourselves to blame (laughs) uh because i don't think karma was going to let him score that touchdown Uh,
1: to be fair if he had high step he wasn't going to score that touchdown either it would have been coming back for a 15 yard unsportsmanlike penalty i hate
2: that you're right
1: if we i mean we we've seen what dancing does and the the devastating effects of, of celebrating so uh let's not retread that but
0: we offer our condolences to all who were hurt and offended by the gritty. Uh, it is truly wrong that uh, Keanu Hill would would be happy after scoring a touchdown. Um, there is no place for that. There's no place for fun in college football, as we all know. Uh, but Chandler, like to kind of get your takeaway. Um, what was we are hearing all week that uh, Miles Davis is run, is is should be RB one going forward. Uh, What are your thoughts on uh, the the running back position and how that's going to look going forward?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, The coaching staff has commented that they kind of want to go with the hot hand. Miles Davis certainly showed what he can provide. And while this was a phenomenal performance for Miles Davis, I definitely still feel as though his uh, technique use and refinement. Uh, We we saw a lot that he loves running laterally, uh, which is something that our other running backs frankly don't do as well as he does. Um, However, sometimes he just needs to, I guess, put his foot in the dirt and just cut up field. We see that he has an elite second gear. That top speed he can hit is great, better than other backs, but there's just some hesitancy. And we saw that with Brooks as well. Uh, Brooks is a big back. Sometimes uh, kind of shuffles his feet a little bit too much in the backfield. It doesn't seem as much like he's being patient, so much as indecisive. Um, So I think we'll see a little bit less of Chris Brooks going forward, maybe a bit more of Miles Davis and likely Katoa on, on more of the passing downs. That's kind of how I'm seeing it play out. I think Miles Davis has earned some more playing time, of course, uh, as compared to before, where I believe he had negative three rushing yards in his BYU attempts. So I love seeing him break out with that, but I don't know if I'm ready to crown him quite yet. I wish to be more wary about crowning after one game, as we've learned. But I- I'm confident that he's going to get a lot more snaps, uh, maybe take a, a, a more of the market share of Chris Brooks' snaps, and we'll see Katoa more as a scat back in a lot of this kind of passing downs.
0: Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing for me is – crowning him RB1 after running for 130 yards feels a little premature only because Chris Brooks ran for 130 yards in week one and Cougar Nation was kind of ready to crucify him after that game because he got stuffed on his first two runs so as far as like a pure RB1 goes I'm not quite ready to do that just because to your point Chandler there's a lot of other skills that I think he's yet to refine. I would like to see him be a little bit more decisive in cutting up field. Uh, I would like to see him be a little bit better in pass blocking um, and, and catching the ball out of the backfield where right now I think Katoa is the only back that, uh, that be that the coaches trust in, in on passing downs. So, which is why we saw so much of Katoa in the Oregon game because BYU had to throw the ball to be successful. Um, so I, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what it's going to look like this week. It's hard because Utah State is just so bad uh, against the run that uh, it, it, it kind of feels like like Michigan early in the year, they said that they weren't going to announce a starting quarterback. They were going to wait three weeks to do it um, because the opponents they were playing were so bad that like they they were just going to like give away snaps. I feel like that's kind of what it's going to look like this week. And we'll start to see a little bit more of an emergence of the primary back against Notre Dame. Um, but let's get into uh, some of our overreactions. Uh, this is uh, as we're trying to be more consistent with the structure of our show. Uh, we, we being the hype and again, being the hype train conductors, we tend to be a little bit, uh, optimistic to put it kindly with our takes uh so we are going to try and uh temper down so to speak expectations um maybe i don't know we'll, we'll see if these are actually overreactions or not We be decided <laughs> but uh chandler let's go with you first what is your overreaction for from uh, the game on saturday
1: all right uh so i was thinking in, in my tuesday overreaction is that coach to is the goat of halftime adjustments when he wants to be all right that is going to be the clarifier and the qualifier there um when he wants to be we we saw some phenomenal halftime adjustments against wyoming um during the first half i think the stadium collectively was very very worried those first few drives that wyoming had they were gashing us along the b gap we really had no answer for some of the rushing attack and we looked totally unprepared Uh, i do question why we looked as unprepared as we did However, in the second half, we shorted up. We saw a lot more gap integrity. We saw a better contain on the edges, uh, a lot more men in the backfield, uh, you know, closing down, making contact in the backfield. Something we didn't see as much in the first half. So love seeing the adjustments that were made. Uh, I'm glad to see that difference. I hope that we can just start doing that from the get-go, you know, from first snap, would love to start seeing that a little bit more. But uh, I love seeing the adjustments that Coach has made when he makes them.
2: Yeah, no, I think, uh, I think you've got, um, you're onto something there. I mean, you even look, go back to last year when they played Virginia and obviously that first, uh, that first half was just horrible, but then they pitched, you know, a fourth quarter shutout, uh, in a game where, you know, offense was just running amuck on both sides of the ball. Um, He, Tuiaki, it is, it's kind of an interesting phenomena where it really is like he comes out and he makes these halftime adjustments and they're so effective, um, (laughs) that it really does kind of make you wonder where it was the entire game. Um, I guess, I guess the phrase better late than never comes to mind and, and, and that's great, but I, uh. I, I kind of – I'm also looking at your clarifier of when he wants to be. I, I almost want to give him more of the benefit <laughs> of the doubt and say when he can. Um, I I do think that BYU – we've obviously talked about at length with Oregon, like their athletes and just how incredibly talented they are in, you know, in, in open field and and you know, they're hard to tackle in a phone booth. And there's plenty of athletes around the country that are like that. But like <sighs> – like you look at Oregon, and there wasn't much of an adjustment. there wasn't much that they could do there. and i, I just don't know if that falls on Tuiaki. um and so i think I think when he can make the adjustments, he does. Um, and then, in other times, I'm sure he tries um, but doesn't see as much success because he just doesn't have the same athletes, no offense, obviously, but the same athletes that some of these other teams have. but so i don't I don't think it's an overreaction. I think it's pretty spot on. Oh, absolutely.
0: Chandler, thank you for for making this point, because we need to put the narrative to bed that Tuiaki doesn't make adjustments. Like if if we want to sound and I'm going to sound really pretentious right here, but if we want to sound like BYU fans that know what we're talking about when we're discussing football, we need to acknowledge that the coaches probably know more about football than we do. And that they're actually saying things of substance when they talk into the headset. I know that's a bold take, but like they're making adjustments all the time. Um, it's it's again, it's not like they're just being stubborn, unless of course you're you're Jeff Grimes during the calling run fifty run plays during the Baylor game, absolutely refusing to adjust for any reason. Uh, but coaches make adjustments, and Tuliochi is actually really good at it. Um, Hunter, sorry, Trevor, you mentioned, uh, the Virginia game last year. What was his adjustment? Originally they were on a four man front against Virginia in the second half. They went to drop eight and guess what? They stopped Virginia. The rest of the game, uh, Houston was, a in, in 2020 was a similar story, uh, really struggling when in at halftime came back out, stopped Houston the rest of the way. This was another game, um, really struggled in the, in the first quarter, uh, was given up, I think it was 5.8 yards in attempts on the ground in the first quarter. Rest of the way, 2.2 yards per carry. So, like, adjustments are being made. The frustration, and I know that, like, I, I, you can look at our group text. I was one of those that was, like, really frustrated, really being tempted to throw out the fire Tuiaki train. But, like, I think what I've learned about Elisa Tuiaki is he's just, like, the box score king, uh, where it's so frustrating to watch his defenses at all times. And then you go back and look at the box score and you're like, they actually didn't play that bad. What the heck is this? Like if I, if I would have told you before the game that Wyoming was going to have 278 yards of offense and uh, 3.6 yards per carry. I think most of you guys would have taken that, but it's just because it was so frustrating to watch in the first quarter that we're all, we're all up in arms about Tuyaki's scheme. Um, but my issue with Eliza Tuiaki comes with, again, game planning, uh, because the last couple of weeks has been really slow starts, um, and the last two weeks on Coordinator's Corner, he's gone on and says, yeah, they came out and and showed things that we weren't expecting, things we hadn't seen before. Uh, Wyoming specifically said, yeah, they they brought out things that we hadn't seen since Nebraska in the nineteen nineties, and like as much as I, as much as that's probably true. I can't imagine that Wyoming is just bringing out random stuff that no one has seen since the 1990s. I'm pretty sure that they they're not bringing out things for BYU that they didn't bring out against Illinois. Like there, there has to be some kind of film on this stuff. And so we're not spending the first three drives freaking out because we have to throw out, throw out our entire game plan. That's probably what's most frustrating for me. Um, but Chandler, what's kind of your uh, analysis on why Tuiaki's the adjustment goat?
1: Yeah, um, obviously just the difference that, that we saw in the first half, getting gashed on the B and C gap especially. Um, and then suddenly our linebackers are there. They're more present. We're seeing more hits in the backfield. D-line's holding its own a little bit more. Um, yeah, it, it was just it looked so much better in terms of the gap integrity in, along the front seven. Um, Another thing to mention and want to touch on something that Trevor said earlier as well with uh, Coach Chuiaki just doing the best of what he has. Uh, we definitely are getting better recruits now than we have in the past. I'm excited to see his scheme change and adapt as we have, uh, frankly, more effective pass rushers, as we have players who can really get after the quarterback and, and get there soon enough. That's um, so where we wouldn't have to drop seven, eight consistently. Uh, I'm excited to see how that scheme adapts and changes, and I can only hope agreeing with Joe that it would change on a per week basis instead of throwing out kind of our base defense and seeing them gash us for the first quarter and a half and then making halftime adjustments to really short things up.
0: All right, Trevor, let's go to you. What's your hot or what's your overreaction?
2: All right. So truth be told, obviously, as we mentioned earlier, like I live in Colorado now, um, which means I was not at the game. And I assure you, I've been told before that watching it from home is better because you have better seating or, or something. That's a lie. I would rather be at LaBelle Edwards Stadium uh, with, you know, 65,000 of my best friends. But um, I will say there are some there are some uh, nice things about watching on the TV, one of which is when Jaron cooks, you get to see it from about five different angles. Uh, And we saw that a lot uh, on Saturday as he obviously had probably one of his best passing games ever uh, Threw for four touchdowns, uh, had a ton of success there. Um, And because of that, drew a lot of comparisons from our announcers, uh, one of which the one that came up the most and the one that they really got uh, sucked in on the most was uh, one Russell Wilson, who fittingly enough actually competes in my state now. Uh, go Broncos, I guess. Competes um,
0: competes as a relative uh, with yeah. how he's looked the first he, two weeks.
2: He 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 lets rides in, in Colorado right now. Um but I that's my kind of overreaction is they were talking about one of them said in particular like if you were to put a Broncos jersey on Jaron Hall, I would say that's Russell Wilson. And so that's my overreaction question for this wonderful Tuesday is, is Jaron Hall the next Russell Wilson?
0: So I'm not, I'm not a massive NFL guy. Uh, I I've been a college football guy since I was born, grew up in Southern California where there's not necessarily uh, the NFL didn't have a super strong presence growing up. Um, So Chandler is probably going to have to do the instruction on how good Russell Wilson's deep ball is. Um, the, like the comparison is obvious. Like he's a stocky dude, uh, quick makes plays with his feet, uh, extends plays. Um, but I'm actually going to take that a step farther and say that Jaron Hall, this is an official BYU hype train proclamation. Jaron Hall has already passed Zach Wilson in the pantheon of all time. Great BYU quarterbacks. Now that might be a little bit premature. That might that be a little a bit lot. premature. But keep in mind that Zach Wilson was great, but he was only great for a year. Uh, Jaron has been great now for two years. He, Zach Wilson never beat any like a Zach Wilson led team, never beat a 10 win team. A Jaron Hall led team has he's seven and two against power five opponents. um, Where I think Zach Wilson only beat two power five opponents in his career. Um, but even if you get down into the in like into the numbers, like just comparing Zach Wilson and th- I'm sorry for doing this because comparison is uh, is a, is a horrible thing to do. But I'm just so giddy about what Jaron Hall is doing right now. Through their first four games in 2020, Zach was averaging 310 yards per game, had thrown 10 touchdowns and one pick uh, so far against the competition that Jaron Hall has faced, which includes two ranked teams. He has thrown for 291 yards per game, nine touchdowns, one interception. Um, and it's not just the box score stats. PFF tracks something called Big Time Throws, uh, which is basically an NFL caliber throw through the context of a game where a quarterback fits it into a tight window. It's an extremely difficult throw. And it's just like a throw the kind of throw that makes you say, wow, Jaron Hall has 11 through four games where Zach had nine through four games in 2020. Um, on deep balls in 2020, Jaron or sorry, Zach Wilson had a hundred and uh, sorry, his pastor rating was, oh my gosh, I'm losing it. His pastor rating on deep balls was 131. Uh, and Jaron's right now is uh, 137. So he's a better deep ball pastor than Zach Wilson was in 2020, which is what Zach, which is what made Zach famous. So, uh, the numbers don't lie. I am I am ready to crown him uh, as so long as he stays healthy going forward. I think he's not only the next Russell Wilson. Uh, I think he has the, the real possibility of being a top five BYU quarterback by the time he's done.
1: If I can just add to that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have seen tweets from several other respected NFL draft analysts that I really admire talking about Z- uh, Jaron potentially as already a better prospect than Zach was. Um, to add on to your point, Joe, like those numbers, I've, we're seeing better numbers from Jaron after playing Baylor and Oregon than we did from Zach for the first four weeks of a COVID season, in which our schedule was kind of just thrown together at the last minute. But Tom Homo did a great job, right? But we're seeing much better numbers against much better competition too. That shouldn't be lost uh, with the context there. Uh, and yeah, I wanted to add, we, we've just seen so much tremendous arm talent from Jaron. He has just an incredible feel for the game and he takes care of the ball so much better than Zach did as well. Uh, the other thing that I think NFL scouts are definitely going to love is how careful and methodical he is at going through his reads, making calculated decisions. Uh, he just turns the ball over at a much lower rate than Zach did. Uh, yeah, just more evidence that Jaron is really
2: on his way. No, I love it. I think I think to kind of wrap this up, um... You mentioned the size so so jaron's actually two inches taller than russell wilson is which i mean in the nfl is something that you know they they go bananas over um and so he is a little bit taller um to kind of be the voice of hunter since he's not here uh he he mentioned that he believes that jaron has the tools that make him a more uh capable winner in the nfl than zach currently is i don't know how much of that is zach's fault he's on the jets um but that being said, I do think that Jaron can absolutely be uh, the next Russell Wilson, although not to be cliche, I think he can, you know, be the next great as Jaron Hall. I don't think he needs to be anybody else because um, of what he does is so good. And and just to tie back to what you said, Chandler, about the taking care of the football, Um I, I like to think that his one bad pass from last year against Arizona State was just to, to prop up Tyler Algier to, to make one of the greatest plays of all time uh, for BYU. But other than that, he really has. I would be interested to see his turnover worthy plays versus Zach's because there were times, especially now in the NFL, but there were times in college as well where Zach would drop back with the ball and you just kind of held your breath a little bit uh you just weren't sure you weren't sure uh what was happening next if we were going to have the ball at the end of that play or not um and with and with jaron it's it's kind of the other end of it where when he threw that pick against south florida i was like what like he did what you know what i mean like it's it, it, it's more of a surprise um when he throws i mean heck an incompletion let alone an interception and so yeah i i, I i've I'm a big Jaron Stan. I think that he can, uh, he could do big things at the next level. So. Uh,
0: I can actually, sorry, I'm looking up uh, his actual turnover worthy play stats. Uh, so it's, it's weird. 2020 Zach, you have to put it in perspective. The guys he was thrown to were pretty wide open for the most part, um, but he did make good decisions. Uh, Right now Jaron is at one point seven percent. He has three turnover worthy plays on the season. Um and Zach uh was one percent. So it's pretty close. Like it, but um against better Jaren, teams. Right. And and Jerem Jordan put out a stat that is kind of insane that Jaron turns the ball over once on average, once every 89 plays, which is thirty points, like which is thirty plays more than uh second place, which was Zach Wilson. So you're absolutely right. Like when he lets it fly, you know it's going to be a positive play. Um and that the odds of it either being the odds of it being caught are infinitely higher than uh the odds of it being turned over. Um but speaking of the ball being caught, uh my overreaction is that this is the deepest and probably the best wide receiver room that BYU has ever had. Trevor, what say you?
2: I mean, I, I it's funny because I, I do feel like when we do Overreaction Tuesday most of the time I'm like nah it's not an overreaction. Like uh, my, my goggles are are very blue, but I, but I, I look at this take especially and and here's my reasoning for saying it's not an overreaction. So like, go back like ten years, twelve years, and if you remove Austin Collie, if you remove Todd Watkins, if you remove a Johnny Harleen. And he's not even a receiver, but like you remove any of those guys from some of those like big time Cougar offenses. And what do you have left? I mean, like and it's not to knock the backups to those guys, um, but it just the offense is not the same. It's not nearly as productive without those guys. And, you know, this year alone, we've played at this point most of our games without without Puka and we've played all of our games without Gunner. And yet we've seen standout performances from guys like Chase Roberts. Cody Epps has looked good several weeks in a row. Keanu Hill is looking impressive uh, as wide receiver one right now, stepping in for, you know, Puka. May he heal up quickly. Um, and it, I just can't remember a time where I see Puka on the ground and obviously, like, so sad for him, right? Like, he's obviously an incredible talent. He made his... He made himself known in the limited amount of time that he could play against Wyoming as it was because he's just that good. Um, But just like when he's injured or when I continue to hear that Gunner's out and I don't have this feeling of impending doom or this question mark of like, where's the ball going to go at this point? I think it does speak to the depth and it's something that we haven't seen or at least I haven't seen ever. Um, And so I I do. I, I concur with what you've said. What about you, Chandler?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I just want to amend that statement is that this is the best receiver group that we've had so far. All right, it's only going to get better, right? Uh, With the recruiting going into the Big 12. Can't wait for that. But, yeah, I'm a big fan of this group. A lot of depth, obviously. Definitely miss Puka, uh, miss Gunner, and I'm excited to hear that he's coming back against Utah State uh, as his mom was tweeting out today. So great news on that front. I'm excited to see him get back into it and hopefully pick up some of the slack. But it's phenomenal when we have guys like Braden Cosper stepping up, making huge plays, uh, with the exception of uh, the one drop that we kind of broke all of our hearts. Everything else has been wonderful. Um, I remember the tough seasons uh, as a BYU student back in 2017-2018 and seeing all the drops, seeing a lot of frustrating plays from QB to wide receiver not feeling there's a lot of separation or contested catches being made when there wasn't separation. Uh, and we're getting a mix of both here. We're getting a lot of great plays made by the wide receivers. Jaron's fading the ball into some tight windows. The wide receivers are making some great contested catches. And uh, I have all the confidence that when Jaron's throwing a bomb, it's going to be a big game. So love that we have an accurate QB, who takes care of the ball. And we have some really reliable pass catchers that are stepping up in in big moments. So uh, I don't think it's too far off, Joe.
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't want to like. I don't want anyone to catch any unnecessary strays. But like, I, <laughs> I look at I look at Keanu on on Saturday, and and one of the mo- one of the passes or catches I should say, both both really the pass and the catch that stood out to me was the ball from Jaron that looked like it was going to be picked, um, but it just like sailed perfectly past the arms of the Wyoming receiver or corner, excuse me. And then Keanu makes the catch and he makes, you know, a couple guys miss and all of a sudden he picks up another, you know, 15, 16 yards after the catch. And, and just, you, you mentioned 2017, you mentioned 2018, um, those years Chandler where, you know, not, again, this is kind of what the unnecessary kind of not, I hope it's more of a joke rather than shame.
0: Not, not talent Shumway and Micah Simon. It's, just, it's talent.
2: It's Talon Shumway where my, I pointed out to my mom once when we were watching a game how it just never felt like he would catch the ball like while on the run like he would always be falling down and he would make incredible catches but he wasn't making people miss because he never had an opportunity to make people miss because he was always on the ground at the end of his catch um I mean heck even his big touchdown against Tennessee he was halfway on the ground when he crossed the end zone so I, it's just I, I, it does. It does. feel like a re- like a revolution within the receiving room of just having athletes that can just go and make people miss. So,
0: right. And so, part of my rationale behind this is that as BYU fans, I wrote a if sh- shameless plug. If you haven't read my article about tight end usage on Cougs Daily, uh, go and find it, um, because as as BYU fans we tend to think that in order to have like a good wide receiver room or a good tight end room, there has to be a clear number one guy. Uh, like we, we think of Glenn Klozla- Glenn Kozlowski and uh, Gordon Hudson in the eighties. Like that was the one, two tandem. That was really good back then. We think of Austin Colley and Dennis Pitta in the two thousands. Um, so like w- whenever we think of like what makes a good like pass catchers room, that's what we think of the The issue, or it's not even really an issue, is that this team there may not be a clear number one, especially with Puka and Gunner being hurt. But I'm not sure there's ever been a time in BYU history where they've literally gone seven to eight deep uh, on on guys that you seriously trust to make a play down the field. Um, like Gunner, like obviously Gunner and and Puka haven't really played. Um, but to your point, Trevor, like when Puka went down, I was heartbroken because of how talented he is and like the extra, the extra gear that he gives to this offense. But when he went down, I didn't all of a sudden fear that our offense would stop moving the ball Uh, because Puka as great as he was. Like it was the Keanu Hill game. Uh, Week one was the Puka game. Week two was the Chase Roberts game. Week three was the Cody Epps game. Like every week, it's somebody different stepping up in this receiver room. And you guys mentioned drops. This is my favorite stat of the year. Uh, BYU receivers are the set or have the second best drop rate in college football. They have dropped two passes on 105 attempts. So my question is, who are these guys, and how do we get them on the New York Jets?
2: Amen.
1: Um, Amen.
0: Just throwing that out there. (laughs) Um, But love this, love this wide receiver room. Uh, Love what they they have to offer, and I'm really looking forward to seeing. Uh, what they can do against uh, Utah State. Um, one note I wanted to throw out there uh, on the injury front. Um, kind of wanted to pick your brains, your guys' brains on this because that was another huge takeaway from the game. Um, I've had a lot of people ask uh, on Twitter and you know friends and family and stuff like that, like what's going on with Gunner. I've seen a lot of uh, rumors floating around that maybe it was an honor code issue that was keeping him out. Um, his mom finally posted about it on Twitter, even though she deleted the tweet. Uh, so now I feel confident in talking about it. Uh, Gunner has what's called a lacerated kidney. I think it's also called boxer's kidney, which is normally something that happens when you get in a car accident. Um, but what happens is I think what happened is on the third practice in fall camp, he made a catch, fell to the ground and the ball, um, uh, the point of the ball hit him in the kidney to a certain point where it made him bleed internally. So, uh, that kind of explains why he's been out so long and why it's been so mysterious and weird, because this isn't really a football injury. It's not something we see a whole lot. Um, and they're just afraid what's going to happen when he faces contact. So they're obviously being extra cautious. Um, his sister Romney made it sound like they're, uh, that he's going to play this week. Aaron Roderick made it sound like he's, he's pretty darn close. So, I mean, let's hope he plays, but, um, it's, uh, it, I don't know, it's just been kind of scary for Gunner. so prayer's up to him, and and hopefully he gets and stays healthy. Um, other injury notes, um, Max Tooley uh, didn't play, but he's going to be expected to be back. Uh, Chase Roberts didn't uh, play, but he's expected to be back. Uh, sounds like Earl Mariner and Gabe Summers are not going to play, um, nor will Malik Moore, but... Um, it's Utah State, so uh, I think all those guys are are hoped to be back for Notre Dame, um, but I'm not super worried about missing guys for for Utah State. Um, but uh, do you guys want to talk about that, or do you guys want to talk more about injuries? Because I have plenty of hot takes about our training staff right now. <laughs>
1: well, I said let him rip. I said let them rip.
0: So, okay, thank you, Chandler. Um I would I along with you on last week's podcast we voiced our frustrations with injury reports. Um and how every I, I posted a tweet about it this week about uh the, the different levels of of injuries, such as like doubtful really means doubtful he's even alive, hopeful means hopeful that you guys stop asking. Uh this week Kalani said that. Uh, or last few weeks, it's like, he's a game time decision, but he will be for the next five weeks. Like, we all get kind of frustrated with that, but I've hashtag sources. I've talked to some people in the program, and it turns out that, like, coaches don't really know either. Like, the training staff is, has not, uh, I guess, has not been super consistent with the information being given to coaches. Um, you could hear it in Kalani Satake's voice after the game uh, on Saturday where some reporters were asking about injuries and he just basically said like, guys, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I'll give you the doctor's phone numbers because literally like the team trainers will say a guy can practice all week. And then right before the game, they don't clear him for whatever reason. And so it's, it's incredibly frustrating, not just for the players but for, or the fans, but for the coaches uh, and the players who are being told that this guy can go all week and it messes with their game plan. So uh, hopefully those of you guys who, who are listening, uh, I I guess I have a little bit more patience now with, uh, with how things are going, but, uh, Trevor, you were, you were a BYU athlete kind of what's your perspective on, on, uh, injuries.
2: Oh, that's tough. Uh, I wasn't expecting, I wasn't expecting that at all because I guess with my experience, um, and having been someone that's dealt with, you know, back injuries and hamstring and, you know, as a track athlete, just any injury, dealing with the legs, really, um, I, I, loved, I loved my experience. I felt like I felt like the athletes, or the athletic trainers, I should say, cared. Um, that being said, they weren't working with the football guys. Um, and to, to give the athletic trainers the benefit of the doubt, uh, the beast, which is football, is just so much different than any other sport you're going to see when it comes to um, practicing medicine. Uh, just the contacts. Just every like guys are getting bigger, faster, stronger. They hit harder. You know, injuries are taking place that have never happened before because these guys are getting so big. Whereas like with track, people have been dealing with hamstrings and quads and you know Achilles tendons and stuff forever because that's just what um, those are. Just the type of injuries that we're dealing with. But I uh, I will say. The training staff always erred on the side of caution. Um, I think obviously as you get higher up, I imagine that in the pros, it's probably the same way you deal with a lot of liability. Um, It's it's your job. Um, And if you send people out there and they get hurt for longer, it's not gonna be your job for very long. Um, And so, and especially in the case of Gunner, um, where his injury is much more life-threatening than, say, a hamstring or you know whatever it is. I, I, I can imagine that they want to be ho- hopeful. Um, I'd be interested to say to hear who's saying that they're ready to go. Um, if it's the head guy versus you know an intern or whoever wanting to wanting to give good news, but uh, um, it can it can be frustrating. But I, I can, from my own experience, say that. these trainers at least the ones that I dealt with did the best that they could and um I'm sure the trainers don't want to hold these guys out you know not to burst any bubbles or say that we shouldn't be upset or whatever it is but you know they're human too uh
0: appreciate that perspective um let's get into uh I guess let's talk about Utah State because it is hate week after all um I feel like the timing of the games kind of weird. It hasn't really felt like a rivalry week, um, mostly because it's not one, nor has it ever been. Um, leading into into Utah State, uh, hopefully I, I I didn't trigger the two Aggie fans that exist. But um, it's I don't know. It, there's just not the same energy around this game that there has been in years past, and maybe it's because Utah State more closely resembles. Uh, I mean I would say they resemble an FCS team but an FCS team just beat them by 28 points. I I don't really know what else to say other than uh it's it's been a rough go for for the folks up north in Logan or Ogden or maybe they they're they're from Tooele now. I don't know. It, it what's what's the worst city in Utah that you guys can think of? Uh but uh Trevor let's start with you. What's kind of uh what are your initial thoughts on this Utah State
2: team? Um the thoughts are there's not many. Um it's an offense that struggles a lot. Logan Logan Bonner was hailed as the best quarterback in the state of Utah during the offseason and has been anything but. Um, he was
0: number number 3 I think in Hans Olsen's 60 and 60 yeah. in the state of Utah.
2: Yeah, the, the prediction, Hans Olsen's prediction for him has been about as good as my hot take predictions every week since we've started this podcast. I, I come out confident with whatever it is that I'm trying to say, and it just never happens. So, I mean, especially if you look at the case for Dallin Holker, who I've promised him 75 yards and a touchdown, and he left the team. It was so bad. So, um, But I think, I think honestly, the thing that gets me most with this game is... Um, To be honest, I'm kind of fired up. I I think, uh, you know, Thursday, a Thursday night game, the last game that we know for a fact is going to be um, BYU and Utah State for the foreseeable future. Um, You look at what Utah State fans have done with that one win that they had over Utah before Utah decided to stop playing them. And it's just (laughs) it's the thing that they hold over Utah fans forever is like, oh, they don't want to play us anymore because we beat them last time. And uh, I don't think that they're nearly as talented as that team that beat Utah was, obviously. But you don't want to leave any doubt. And especially with a team like that, the longer they're in the game, the more they're going to start to believe. um, Because they haven't had much belief up to this point. And so, honestly, I'm not so much concerned about the Aggies. I'm more worried about what BYU is doing. I feel like we've seen a lot of conservative play calling from Roderick to start the game And honestly, Roderick, I don't know if you listen to this podcast. You probably don't. But just throw out your little scripted start to the game. You don't need to set anything up. You don't need to set them up for a big trick play later. It's all going to work. Just start with it. Finish them by the the halftime and let your third string guys play the second half and call it good. Just don't let these guys hang around. That's all I'm going to say. You're muted, Joe.
0: Once a podcast, baby. Once a podcast, <laughs> and it was
2: my turn to point it out this time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so bad. All right. What about you, Chandler?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, to build off what Trevor was saying, some great points there. Uh, I had a, a wise friend once referred to uh, believing in establishing the run being akin to believing in the tooth fairy uh, and believing in, in Santa Claus to an extent where it's just like the statistics don't support it. Go out there, run your best offense, especially against a defense that we should be able to kind of have our way with via the ground and via the air. Just go out and, and let Russ cook or sorry, let Jaron cook just some foreshadowing for what's going to happen. down the <laughs> road. Um, just let it happen. Jaron's going to take care of the ball. Let him move the ball. Uh, one of my complaints to to Joe this past game was that sometimes it seems like we don't call plays as though we have an NFL QB and we do. Uh, let let Jaron handle it. Like I trust that our pass catcher, especially if Gunner's going to be playing, if we get Chase Roberts back, uh, I'm really confident that we shouldn't have any struggles on offense if the play calling is is to a T. Right. Um, I'm also a little bit worried that we're going to let them hang around in the game, but that we're going to make it more stressful than it needs to be. I've been a BYU fan my whole life. I know how these games go sometimes. It shouldn't be a stressful game. I certainly hope it won't be. My main concern is injuries stacking up for whatever reason. This curse, right? If we can get out of the game with a win by however many points and with no injuries, I'd be very happy with that. To a degree, having getting a win but losing a lot of our key players for a month plus would feel like a loss, uh, especially with some of the bigger games coming up against Notre Dame and Arkansas.
0: So, the, I mean, that begs the question, do you play Jaron at all?
1: I yes. hope we won't need him after halftime, but yes. <laughs> I hope we won't need him after it, halftime,
0: but yes. That, that was totally a joke, by the way, but I'm also kind of serious because uh, someone has the list, but I think it's like six or seven QBs that have gone down against Utah State since 2012. So um, whatever you got to do to keep Jaron clean and in the pocket is okay with me. Um I'm going to read you guys off some stats about this Utah State defense that just kind of sums it up. This is from Greg Rubel. Uh, these are their FBS rankings in the following categories. They are 100th in total defense, sorry, 131 out of 131 teams, okay? 100th in total defense, 100 in pass yards per game, 102nd. In total offense, 110th in sacks per game, 111th in possession time of possession, 113th in third down efficiency in third down defense, 115th in completion percentage, 117th in scored uh scoring defense, 118th in rush defense, 120th in pass efficiency, 121st in red zone defense, 121st in turnover margin, one twenty third one twenty-three in scoring offense, one twenty-fifth and third down offense, 129th in interceptions thrown, and 130th in red zone offense. My voice is gone. <laughs> uh I my favorite part about that tweet from Greg Rebell is he had to like um what's the word? Abbreviate words in weird places because he was running out of characters for how many uh categories they're they're in the bottom 30 in the country. Um guys th- I know that we're always worried about I mean, it is a rivalry game throughout the records, all that good stuff, but Utah State is bad, like bad, bad, uh, one of the ten worst teams in college football bad. Um, so I don't know i i I tend to get nervous before every game. I am zero percent nervous about this one. Um, namely because uh, they I. They don't have a quarterback that throws to their own team. I think uh, Ogden Bonner has had, uh, they had a stretch where he threw eight straight interceptions and no touchdowns. Um, he's thrown eight interceptions in the last two games. His backup isn't much better. He used to be the Wyoming quarterback, but he immediately came in relief against Weber State and threw an interception. Like They, they can't run the football at all. Um, I don't know. I like if, if this, if BYU's defense gives up more than 250 yards in this game, I'm going to be kind of disappointed.
2: Yeah, I think it kind of depends on, uh, when guys, I think you're right. 250 yards, uh, should be kind of the, the hard cap, um, I I could be a little bit more accepting if it came in the second half and it's like our third string slash walk on guys, um, which I really want to see Chandler pointed it out with staying healthy. I just there is not much I wouldn't give up to see Jaron walk off that field Saturday or Thursday healthy um, because. I don't know. It would kind of ruin general conference for me. I think if Jaron if Jaron was injured, but uh, but yeah, uh, streaks are meant to be broken. We broke the one against Utah last year. Let's break this one against uh, Utah State on Thursday and uh, go into conference weekend on a on a good note.
1: Yeah, honestly, Trevor, you kind of summed up my thoughts really well. Uh, in addition. I was just thinking, yeah, I could I could definitely see the box score being a little deceptive to the true nature of the game after the fact. Um, if they end up having more kind of garbage time points and yards, I'll, I'll be a little bit less disappointed. I'll be disappointed in the fact that we didn't just, you know, keep on the gas pedal uh, and just kind of run it up a little bit. That's not really Kalani's style, but I think we will get to a comfortable range. He'll pull the starters. I hope he does. And I hope it all goes according to plan, right? That, that would be wonderful, but. Uh, I'm not sure that the box score at the end of the game will tell the full story in terms of yards uh, and you know yards per rush, things like that. Might be a little inflated due to a lot of substitutions and seeing some more second and third string guys. And if they get the chance, I'd love to see them.
2: So what, let's. Oh, go ahead, Jeff. I was just gonna say, whatever we do, do not pole in Oregon and have to bring the first string guys back in like (laughs) like we were playing them and I had some secondhand embarrassment for them like that's just like if you're the second and third string guys like you know you blew it like big brother had to come back in and save you from your crap and it really I really just don't want to see that again
0: that's the ultimate moral victory for me is if you're getting blown out and the starters have to come back in. And all, I mean, all the, I've said it before all this talk about PAC 12 depth and how, and how awesome it is, but BYU looked really, really good against Oregon second stringers. I'm just saying, maybe they're not as deep as we think. Uh, Just kidding. Um, But let's get into some of our predictions uh, for, for this game. Cause I want to, you guys, you guys are making it sound like you expect it to be a little bit more ugly uh, than I do, but what's your, What's your uh, score prediction, Chandler, and your rationale behind it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking through the exact numbers in my head because it can go any one of several different ways. Um, as you kept listing all those statistics off, the ticker in my head just kind of went up a little bit. Like for each statistic you mentioned, like okay, maybe another field goal, maybe another touchdown. Um, I'm going to go with 48-17. This is – yeah, I feel confident that our offense will take care of business if Roderick will kind of let it loose and let it fly, and against this defense he should. I certainly expect it. And yeah, the 17, I, I hope that our starters, would only give up about seven, maybe 10 of that. And then the rest could come in garbage time. Um, but yeah, the, the, I'm feeling confident. Uh, hopefully this is just a game which we take care of business. We we shouldn't overlook any opponent, uh, obviously. But I hope that this should be fairly straightforward if we don't beat
2: ourselves.
0: What about you, Trev?
2: Yeah, so I'm mean, pretty close. I'm going to say 45-13. Um, I, I do see maybe going into the halftime, um, having given up a field goal, maybe two, and then a garbage time touchdown where, you know, BYU Twitter has a meltdown at the end because it's like, ah, you know, why did we give up a touchdown? But it really doesn't mean anything. Um, this, this is a game, um, you know, Chandler mentioned not overlooking anyone. I, I think this is a big enough game for the players um, that they're going to kind of want to push Utah State around. I'm sure that these are guys that they've played with in high school uh, that they know on a pretty personal level and that they want to, you know, give them a little talking to and and move on with their week. So this is, this is a game that I see the team getting up for. Um, we've talked about it at length. Uh, this, there's still so much of the season left uh, that you don't want to – you don't want to obviously lose, clearly, but you don't want to look bad against a team like this either because they could – pay pretty unbeneficial um dividends later so
0: yeah utah state never heard of her i uh i have no respect uh for no uh, that, that's mean i feel bad because there's there's a lot of utah state fans on twitter that i like and by a lot i mean 3 of them uh but I think even they would tell you that this team just doesn't quite have it. Uh, Fans are booing the team or mooing, depending on who you listen to. Fans are showing up to the game with paper bags over their heads. Uh, Coaches calling out the fans for showing their true colors. Like Things are not good in in Logan right now, Um, which is unfortunate because I really do like Blake Anderson. I like what he built with that program last year. I hope he can get it turned around quickly, but I see this being a 45-14 game. Um, BYU hasn't beat, has not only beaten one FBS team by 17-plus in the last two years, and they've only scored 40 points twice. I think this is a game where BYU does both of those things uh, this week. Um, I, I think BYU just has way too much firepower. Uh, th- this is a game where BYU's Lions are going to be able to dominate on both sides of the ball. Um, and as a result to kind of get into my hot take, uh, BYU is going to be plus 350 in yardage this week. So what that means is if Utah state scores, uh, 250 yards of offense, BYU is going to, or sorry, if if Utah state racks up 250 yards of offense, BYU is going to be uh, 600 plus. Like, I, I think that the differential is that big. Um, I, but like, I don't really worry about a letdown because Utah state's still a game that BYU gets up for because they're, they're family. They're in your state. Like this game matters to BYU. Uh, Having the wagon wheel in Provo matters. Um, And I think this is a game that BYU jumps on them early and jumps on them often and, and uh, runs away with it. But uh, Trevor, what's your hot take this week and keep in mind, Trevor, be careful, (laughs) be careful because whatever you predict the opposite is going to happen.
2: I know. If you predict
0: anything with Jaron Hall, I am kicking you off the podcast <laughs> because an injury will be immediately forthcoming.
2: Yeah, no, I'm going to predict that uh Utah State's defense forces 3 turnovers. That's that's my prediction. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to we're going to leave it at that. I'm not, like I said, Dallin Holker left the team. Chase Roberts didn't play in the game. Like it just the the track record has been awful. Um, it's comical, which, even
0: which by the way, Hunter and I are doing fine. We both got ours last week.
2: Yeah, I've gotten one hot take, right? And it was Ever. against Baylor or Baylor last year. I Jerry Bohannon or Gary Bohannon had not thrown a pick all year, and I had I had predicted that BYU would be the first to get it and paid Wilgar, Bless your soul. finally took care of your boy. But we lost. So that so I said what I said. Hot take. Utah State's going to force three turnovers. We'll leave it at that. And you guys can watch them implode on Thursday. I almost guarantee it.
0: What about you, Chandler?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, pick up the slack. I, on the other end, I think BYU is going to more than double our season turnovers on defense. Um, so currently we're sitting, I believe we have an interception for Max Tooley, that pick six. And one from ben bywater uh, I, I think we're going to have three turnovers on defense we're not a defense that forces many turnovers that does not happen a whole lot fundamentally sound football a lot of good coverage assignments all that we don't force a lot of turnovers i think it happens at least twice possibly three times uh, this weekend i'm gonna go with three
0: love it uh but let's all have fun i i'm i'm really happy that we didn't have to sit on that wyoming game for any longer than five days uh it's going to be good to be back in lavelle edwards stadium uh, wear royal blue because apparently that is a controversial topic nowadays. Um, but uh, guys, any parting thoughts before we go?
2: Just keep hold on to that wagon wheel.
1: Yeah, I'd say the same thing. Uh, if, if there's anybody working for BYU store here, please hook us up some better royal gear. I'm begging you. Uh, I will throw all my money at it. I'd love some better royal Nike BYU gear. Last plug for that, I'm begging, help us
0: out. Sweet. Uh, My parting thought is that uh, if you go up to Logan and you find those like little red wagons uh, that, uh, that little kids play with, wheels are sold separately because there are no wagon wheels in Logan and there never will be again. Go Cougs, Cougars by 90. We'll talk to you guys in a couple of days.